Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 82. It's your old pal, DJ Payne, and a big season's greetings Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever this weird limbo week is between Christmas and New Year. I hope you're having a great one. I hope you're having a holiday with friends and family and getting into the Word of God. Now, on this week's episode, episode 82, we are looking at Genesis chapters 28 to 31. Matthew and I sit down and go through these chapters as we are loving reading about the life of Jacob and how God makes him Israel. How do we go from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into the people of the Jews? Well, keep on listening and you'll find out on Thrive Deeper. Okay, Matt, we're not just finishing off a year. Twenty. We're not just saying goodbye to 2019. We are mm. saying goodbye to a decade. We are. That just occurred to me actually just recently. I, I I didn't think of that, but that's significant, isn't it? It is. It is. We've gone through the aughts, the 20 aughts. The 2010s are what we're finishing now, or some people are calling it the 20 teens, but the 2010s. And we're about to enter the 2020s. We're about to enter the 20s. So the 20s. The, tw- <laughs> the yeah. 20s. It's going to be interesting. Do you get sentimental at the end of a year? Uh, not Not particularly. Yeah. Should I? I? I'm not. Yeah. Do you get sentimental at all? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I, I can. Um, I'm not saying whether you can, I'm, but do you? I'm the type of person that at the end of a year, you know, for New Year's Day and the beginning of a brand mm. new year, I love moments like that. I love the fresh, you know, the fresh slate, the blank piece of paper, yeah. the the taking stock and sort of seeing what the narrative of mm. your life have been like. You know, I'm a big one. You know me. I'm a big one for journaling. Yeah. And and at a, at a junction like that, I it it, it I don't know. I I tr- I intend to inject yeah. a lot of meaning into it. I do. I do like New Year's when I look forward to a new year. I, I often reflect on what I want to do differently or what I want to establish that's new, new patterns, new habits. Yeah. I often think about that actually at the opening of a new year. Yeah. You have that sort of Christmas break, and it's all a bit. Chaotic, but then you start the new year, and it's like a. It is. It's that clean slate. All right. Well, I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot. 2020. What's the? Uh, what's what's some of the habits? What's it? Uh, well, there's. Can you fit into? Yeah. Can you fit any more good habits into no, your life? No. What, one of the things. <laughs> what, one of the things that I've that I think has um, that I've felt very much lately is, um, you know, just a kind of a inner kind of chaos enveloping my mind like just overactive getting back to that almost hyperactive mind thing mm. so much activity and one of the things that I that I used to do a lot and I do sometimes but that is just so um important what was and and I want to ensure that it continues to be is just sitting is being still sitting still and mm. having as that 
time of stillness before God and waiting on God. And that was incredibly significant for a part of my life to create that space. It felt like creating a space in a jungle, you know, the jungle of our thoughts. It was like, I'm going to clear a space and it's going to be a space for God. Pull out the mental machete and hack away and just make us... It's like, you know, because I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, God wants quality time and I feel like we... We actually have the time. It's what we fill it with that, that is, you know, we have 24 hours in every day. And it's, yeah, um, yeah. But it's the quality part that we struggle with because uh, we tend to get so addicted to stimulation, mental stimulation, mm-hmm. that we find spaces in time just amplify our craving for more stimulation. And, and you know, we feel agitated and then so you, you go to your phone or you go to the turn on the telly or you, you need, it's activity, activity, activity. One of the most important disciplines, I think, and I've actually just started doing this again in, in the last couple of days, is taking a block of time and just sitting still and it's Beautiful. just enormously transformative for yeah. me. I, yeah. I feel so much more peaceful as a result. And going to the new year, I've thought... I, I need to make this a regular discipline because it brings me back to a beautiful simplicity with God that my whole life needs to grow out of that space. Can I, can I make a wisecrack here? Yeah. It, it, you, you're a pastor, so you've got these big chunks of time you can just sit and be still. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know... You, Okay, I'm have teasing. you? Do I'm you teasing. know me? Do you know me? Do you know how many things that I do? <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I just had to get it in there. No, it's funny because I, I, I think we, we, as a family, are on the same tip. Um, I, I want to. I want to make exactly the sentiment that you've just said. Yeah. I've expressed to the family that over over this summer season, we're going to establish a new habit. We're going to make a time of several hours together, once a week. Yeah, at least once a week. Where all devices, including mine, go into yeah. a box, phones get turned off, oh, everything get yeah. off, and we are going to spend time together in the same room, reading or writing, wow. something silent together. Yeah, we might good. put some quiet music in the background, but it's not a time. I mean, we have great times of community, you know, yeah. but I, I think there's something really special, and and unless we're intentional and make that happen, like I caught it by accident the other day that I walked into the room to do something and my three boys and my wife were busy mm. reading or writing and there was music, nice soft music going in the background. I was like, unless I intentionally make this happen all the time, yeah. it, it it's, it's an yeah. accident that it happens. Yeah. So it's that, you know, sort of taking responsibility, taking control and say, we're going to force, we're going to sort of yeah. force this to happen that's great. And, and make it like that because I think that's really important in this day yeah. and age of all the, uh, you know, especially with devices everywhere we yeah. turn. It's really, really hard. All right, well, let's get back into the book of Genesis. We uh, Last week we wrapped up the life of Abraham, this uh, first patriarch of our faith, mm. I guess we could call him, and we saw his son Isaac, the son of promise, the chosen one, uh, finally f- uh, finding a wife in Rebecca, uh, and then Rebecca having two sons, Esau and Jacob, Esau being not the chosen one, not the son of promise, but Jacob being God's chosen one. And we watch them grow up and mm. we see Jacob being the deceiver and and stealing 
the blessing. Not only did he seal the birthright when Esau was younger, but then as they got older, when it was time for Isaac to pass on a blessing before he died, he uh, Jacob swindled his yeah. brother with Rebecca's help and took the blessing. And as and as the movie finished last week, yeah. Rebecca was like, "Get out of here! Your brother's going to kill you." And he went off to the family to the to the to the place mm. where Rebecca came from, where Abraham came from, the the family came from, and he hightailed mm. it out there away from his brother. Yeah, this these stories are strange to say the least, and and I think um, they're particularly strange because we're very used to a because you mentioned movie just before we're very used to a fairly homogenous narrative. Mm. N- narratives tend to have very similar structures, so when you have uh, very strange stories like we have here, it's very easy uh, to just be completely perplexed. Now, a little bit of context here: Genesis is a lot about establishing a foundation for the identity of God's people. Mm. So this is in the context of the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. And uh, it's a lot about laying the foundation for God's people to be God's people. Um, And so, um, you know, there's the revelation of God, but uh, the stories of Jacob... Um, uh, particularly important because Jacob gets renamed Israel. Mm. And so there's so much about Jacob that says something about God's people. Now, uh, you look at the story of Jacob and ostensibly he's not a good guy. He doesn't seem to deserve anything that he gets. And that's exactly the point, actually. That's the point, that's it. This is the point is that it's not, and even the fact that he's the youngest. Mm. So Esau is the one that rightfully is, and the way that, these um, clans or tribal societies worked is that, you know, the elder son would basically be the, the ruler, like the clan leader. Yeah. He would become the next clan leader. And, but in this case, Isaac is the one that's given the blessing of the first one, as we're going to see. Mm-hmm. And, and that is completely outside of what is culturally normal. You know, it's not, it's not his due. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole point is that, you know, God is giving something to his people that's not their due. It's not something that they warrant from their lives. And I pointed out last week that the way that Jacob is even characterized, I mean, he is the name Jacob is one who grasped the hill, which basically is um, a, a, a sort of figure of speech for deceiver. Yeah. It basically means deceiver. Now we, we pointed out who, you know the other person, yeah. only other person in the disciple in, in the Bible who's known as a deceiver is Satan. Yeah. So um, Jacob is characterized in very much the same way as Satan is characterized, and yet he gets this blessing. Yet God bless, blesses him, and this, of course, is exactly the point. Don't go looking at these stories, looking for good people doing good things that we no. can be inspired by. What we need to be inspired by is God's faithfulness yeah. and grace here. And grace means undeserved favor. That's it. That's the foundation that these stories uh, are laying down. Now, I, lo- I love we get a little bit of a, uh, at the beginning of this, uh, you know, brand new chapter here in 28, we get a little bit of a, almost like a refrain. As Jake is about, to, Jacob is he's heading out, Isaac almost grabs him and says, Listen, my son, I'm going to bless you because Isaac knows that Jacob is the one receiving God's blessing. Yeah. And he says, do not marry here. He knows what's going on. You're going to go to the people and God will give you this land that he gave to your grandfather, yeah. Abraham. Esau's aware of all of this. Esau obviously has, yeah. has promised that he's not going to kill his his brother yet. I'm going to wait till my father <laughs> dies and settle all the funeral. Yeah. But he sees 
he understands, finally it clicks for him as the wild man that he is, is that Isaac you know, gave the blessing to Jacob, sent Jacob to the land to get a wife, did not want him to have a Canaanite wife. So Esau does yet another thing that says, I'm going to do it my way, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay, I get it, Dad. You don't want to marry these Canaanite women. I've already got two of them. I'll do something good. I'll go to Uncle Ishmael and yeah. I'll go over to Uncle Ishmael yeah. and I'll get a wife from him. Yeah. And so he gets, we see at the end here, he gets another wife. He gets a third wife, uh, you know, a, you know, uh, one of the, uh, uh, you know, relatives of Ishmael there. Yeah. And that's not what is. That's no. not what Isaac wanted. That's not what God wanted there. No, that's right. Um, as we, of course, uh, Jacob then has to has to f- flee. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no, we're jumping ahead a little bit because, of course, then there's the story uh, of. And the whole point of him stealing, just to go back to what I was saying before, the, the, this whole idea that he steals yeah. something. So first of all, he he offers his brother this bowl of soup when he's famished and his brother sells him his birthright uh, for the price of this bowl of soup. And it says there, and so he despised his birthright. But uh, what we're going to see is... When um, and I did we cover this in the last episode that the one? the stealing of the blessing, uh, how he, how he dresses up as his yeah. brother, yeah, yeah. So so again, the point here is that he's not deserving. It's he's totally not deserving. No. It's like he he has something that doesn't belong to him. Yeah. This is really what's being emphasised here. This uh, that he has something that doesn't belong to him, but uh, and and it's not justifying the way necessarily that he gets this. But it is highlighting the fact that he gets something that he doesn't deserve. So his brother hates him. There's this terrible tension between the brothers, as, you, mm. as you're saying. Uh, Sarah sends Jacob off to Laban. Uh, and On the way he has a dream. On the way he has a dream. Now, of course, she sends him off because Esau is, is going to kill him, yeah. really, uh, having been discovered that he's been tricked and he's been done out of his, uh, out of his inheritance. Mm. And on the way, he has this this dream. Now, um, this is interesting as I as I read this, and I'll just read what it says here. Um, it says he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, "I am the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac." And then he repeats the blessing yeah and so you get this pattern with each generation mm. uh, even many times within each generation you get this reaffirmation of of the blessing and i notice on this one on in this one in verse 15 god almost doubles down the lord god doubles down for jacob here he says and what's more after repeating all yeah. the blessings that he that he gets i and with you, I will yeah. protect you wherever yeah. you go. And again, this is the this you got to understand. That's Jacob's right. like in the midst of fleeing, yeah. you know, type of thing. And God is like, I will not leave you until I bring you back into the land yeah. that is yours. Like this is what this yeah. is. I'm talking about undeserved. Yeah, that's right. You think why is he getting this favor? And this is the point: is that God has made a promise to them to him, and this is not about Jacob. This is about God's faithfulness. Mm. Now, the interesting thing here that I noted, I think this is the first time that heaven is referred to outside Genesis 1. Wow. Um, it talks about uh, the stairway with its top reaching to heaven. Mm. And this is where, this is interesting because in, in, the, in those 
first couple of chapters, you get this sense of Genesis, first couple of chapters of Genesis, you get this sense that heaven and earth are sort of one very much, completely united. Perhaps we could say that earth is like a physical dimension of heaven or however you want to put that. Um, But here there's a sense of separation. And you get this from the time of Genesis 3, you get this sense of heaven being somewhere else. Uh, Up. Yeah, yeah, heaven is up there and God is in heaven and we're on earth. Mm. And But, of course, the repeated thing throughout the Bible is God's saying, they, I will be their God, they will be my people, I will live with them, and that's what comes out in Genesis 21. So the goal of every of what God is doing is to bring the two back together. Yeah. But you see here uh, this connection is established, mm-hmm. uh, this ladder between heaven and earth. So, yes, through the fall there has been this separation, this this sort of great divorce, as C.S. Lewis uh uh, says this sort of great, uh, this great divorce between heaven and earth, but an, a connection is established here through this yeah. stairway, and this is, in a sense, um, God's people are going to be that are going to become that connection yeah. as the mediators between heaven and earth. So again, remember I said this is very much about the identity of God's people, and that vision of the stairway. Uh, with angels coming up and down upon it is very close to that idea, that mediatorial idea. Mm. I will bless you to be a blessing. Yep. So this is all, it, it's all developing here, as you say, and there are other things that the promise is actually developing and yeah. filling out. It's beautiful yeah. the way that this works. And, and the final note here on the chapter, unless you've got another point here, Matt, you know, Matt, he, Jacob's in awe. He calls the place Bethel, which is the house of God. Yeah. And then Jacob makes a vow. We get a vow back, a promise back from Jacob. He says, Radio, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, the Lord will certainly be my God. He, he, it's almost he puts the conditions on back onto God. And says, Radio, okay, you've made this promise. Let me make a vow to you yeah. that if you fulfill these things, and it's almost like he adds a few more, you know, give me food and clothing as well. God never promised that he was going to get food and clothing, you know, and if he's going to do well, this and do it's that. Impl- I think it's, in, it's I know implicit, it's implied. Yeah. It's implied there. But, uh, you know, I, I will, I will, God will be my God. I will make this a place for worshiping God. I will give a tenth of my things to him. He will be my God. Yeah. It's interesting that the appearance of that, of, again, the practice of tithing, mm. uh, which we saw Abraham practicing that when he takes the plunder from those uh, those nations. Yeah. And he gives a tenth to Melchizedek. And here again, we have this action of giving back to God 10%. So this is, uh, I mean, I, I just point that out because, I mean, I, I think... This is a, a practice that is continue has continuing importance. Uh, it's I think it's one of the great ways in which we can respond to God and express our faith is give back to God ten percent of our income, um, and it's not just something that has to do with the Mosaic law that was just a temporary thing because it's being established here mm. already in the time of the patriarchs. And certainly it was something that was practiced uh, in the early church, although they didn't limit it to, to 10%. So mm. interesting that we find that here, again, yes. this practice of giving back something to God. Right in the earliest. Again, this is the foundational 
books, of the foundational chapters yeah. of how we are to relate to yeah. God. We move then into chapter 29 where yeah. uh, Jacob finally arrives in his, uh, you know, his, his, his uh, you know, Abraham's homeland here. Yeah. He sees, uh, you know, the shepherds and the goat keepers and everything like that. How Do you guys know my, you know, this guy? And they're like, yes, is he doing well? Yeah, great, fantastic. And then on the horizon, here comes Rachel. Yeah. This is his cousin. Yeah. And uh, he sees Rachel. And uh, he, we get, again, we get this overly... Like dramatic moment, a really yeah. romantic dramatic moment. Uh, Rachel, his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, yeah. and he he fi- Jacob, you know, basically kisses Rachel, weeps aloud, explains the whole situation that he is the son of her aunt Rebecca. So Rachel ran quickly to told it to tell her father Laban. Yeah. So immediately, it's another love at first sight, you know, type of job here. Yeah, and and he wants to he wants to marry her, but. Mm. Um, Laban's an interesting character in this. Yes. Um, Laban is very much like Jacob, and Jacob's going to get uh, some of his own back. That's it. Uh, through Laban, Laban's going to just continually, um, uh, you know, trick and, and extort, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, he, he uh, offers him the daughter, but for the. Seven years of work. Yeah, 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 For goodness yeah. sake, I mean, seven years is a long time. Well, and and, uh, and, and it's and it's funny because again, we read this with twenty twenty goggles on, and you know, we have this man Laban, who's obviously, you know, he's done very well. He's the guy who's running yeah. the whole kitten yeah. caboodle there, relative of uh, of Abraham, uh, you know, an uncle here, and 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 Laban says to to Jacob. Jacob obviously tells him the entire story, yeah, and says the whole the whole thing, and ja- so he says to Jacob. You're not going to work for me for free. I want you to work for me. Tell me what your wages are. And and he, he obviously says, you know, I want your daughter. I want Rachel. Because yeah. we find out that she is beautiful. She's got yeah. a great figure. She's got sparkling eyes. She's got the whole yeah. package. And Laban's like, okay, yeah, no worries. All right, seven years. I know. Seven years. That flies in the face of people wanting to, you know, create a narrative that women weren't – Valued in yeah, this in yeah, this thing, right, yeah. and, and again, it feels bad because we're like, "Hang on, is he selling her out here?" But no, obviously, Rachel is like, "No, no, I I agree. She yeah, wants to yeah. marry him. She's the one who's making it all happen." But there's a tradition. <clears throat> yeah. But there's a family tradition yeah, where right. Leah, the older sister, should be married first. Yeah, that's right. And so um, this is where the this is where the trickster come in, comes into play. So the seven years go by. Um, they have the wedding, and in the wedding night, uh, it's actually Leah that comes in, not Rachel. Yeah. And Jacob discovers this in the morning. Now, when I was reading this to uh, to Ivy, my daughter, she couldn't work out how did how did he not know? She said, "How did she, how did Jacob not know yeah. that it was?" Leah and not Rachel. Um, well, uh, <laughs> we can suggest some things. Well, first of all, you know they've had a lot of celebration. You yes. know Jacob had probably uh, you know drunk yes. uh, a bit too much. You know she's veiled. Um, there are a lot of reasons why they didn't have bright lights like no. we have. You know yes. it's in you know it's in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, so you know it's it certainly uh, could have happened, but. Yeah, Laban wants his eldest daughter to be to be married first. Yeah. That's a concern, and so um, he sends her in. And now this is discovered, and 
in order to marry Rachel, he has to work another seven years. And, and, you, and Jacob is furious. You hear the heartbreak and the fury, and he says, what have you done to me? I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have yeah. you tricked me? And Laban, without him blinking an eye, he knows what he's doing. He's like, listen, work another seven years. <laughs> like, yeah. he just, and Jacob agrees, so he's going to work 14 That's right. years. So he's, he's getting his own back here. Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, Laban is deceiving him, and and you sense, uh, well, it's not karma, uh, but it's yeah. it, there's almost a bit of divine kind of you reap what you uh, sow. Yeah, you, you you sort of reap what you sow. But here's a taste of this. So in a sense, it's the deceptiveness is not validated. Like Jacob's deceptiveness is not validated in this because he gets a taste of that. Now there's himself. a there's a phrase in this chapter, verse seventeen, that talks about Leah. Poor Leah here, you know, the older sister. Uh, yeah. And it's translated it's, quite in, it's translated in different ways, the the beginning of verse seventeen here. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, is the way that the New Living Translation, yeah. you know, says it here. Uh or she had dull eyes, soft yeah. eyes. What it, I know we don't really know what it means, but or do delicate. You have, yeah, do, was she nearsighted? Did she have glasses? Is this something against four eyes? No what? idea. <laughs> what? No idea. We don't. Know, you know, uh, it's it's she's un- quite a tragic, tragic uh, character yeah. in this yeah. in this story because she, and and again, this is more about Laban's deceptiveness and what mm. Laban does wrong because she is, you know. Um, sent off to a man that is not going to love her because he's so in love with Rachel. So, yeah, she's very tragic. Yeah, very tragic. So so even though Jacob has to work for another seven years, 14 years in total, total, after the bridal week for Leah, he is given Rachel as well. Yeah, that's right. So here he has two tents, two dwellings, two wives. Yeah. Both wives... Have a handmaid, handmaiden given to them by Laban. We have uh, Zilpa. Is it Zilpa? Have uh, I got that yep. right? For, for for Leah, and then Rachel had been given Bilha yeah. as well. So we've got so in his household, he's got four women, two wives, two handmaidens here. And then we get this complex narrative about oh. them having children. Oh. Now, yes. this is this is where now, of course, this is Jacob's children. And remember, yeah. Jacob is going to be renamed Israel. Yes. And these, this is the narrative of the 12 sons. Well, the 12th comes later. Benjamin is the last of the son. But at least in this block here at the end of chapter 39 and the beginning of chap- and, and chapter 30, you get eleven, the birth of 11 of those sons and, yeah. and how that happens. And at the, the, the end of this chapter, as we go through 29, we basically get the final, the, in these final few verses, we get, it is set up that God... Sees yeah. Leah's cry, <clears throat> yeah, and God's heart breaks for Leah. Yeah, you know, God, right. God is heartbroken for her, and he sees that she's unloved, and so he gives her the ability to bear children. Yeah. But, but, conversely, closes up Rachel's womb. Yeah, and and then and then you just see Leah having these boys and boys and boys, and each one she's like. Now my husband's going to love me. And, and now she, my husband's going to love me. And she recognizes that it's God yes. blessing her yeah. uh, in this. So you know, God is compensating for her for her pain. Yeah. Uh, you know, a pain that God didn't cause. This is this is Laban's deceitfulness that's made this happen. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the consequences of human actions are always allowed by God. We're going to see that's an important to recognize in these stories because mm. you know we were given this level of authority, so we can we can 
make choices for better or for worse, and there are consequences to those choices. And here, um, you know, Leah is in this situation, tragic situation, tragic. and yet God is coming in and blessing her in the midst of that. Okay, so with that in with that in mind, we close up chapter twenty nine, and we see Leah giving birth to Reuben, then yeah. Simeon, Levi, and then Judah. Yeah. Right now. We're getting the 12 tribes of Israel here, just to make that explicit. Exactly. This is these these 12 sons that are going to, that are going to come from these so women, the, first, the 12 tribes of Israel. So the first four are from Leah. Yeah. We now, in hindsight, okay. I mean, this is thousands of years ago. We yeah. know the end of the story. Matt, as, before we take a break, I want you to speak to this. She's given birth to Levi and Judah. Yeah. This is the unwanted wife, yeah. the wife with the dodgy eyes or whatever it is that that, yeah. that Jacob doesn't love like he yeah. loves Rachel. But yet God is giving her sons, two of whom, two of whom yeah. are going to be crucial That's for right. the future. So the Levites are the priestly tribe, are going to become the priestly tribe. Yeah. Um, the ones that work in and around the tabernacle, so very important tribe. And, of course, Judah are, are going to be really the remnant tribe. Uh, I mean, the Levites are going to be mixed in all over the place. Judah uh, is, and actually with Benjamin as well, is going to be incorporated into Judah eventually. They are going to become the Jews. That's where we get the name the Jews from. So really there are t- the two significant mm. children there are, as you say, Leah's children. Yeah. Amazing. All right, let's take a break. We're going to see what happens, you know, as we keep on going with the uh, the family mm, history. We're going to talk about Jen. mandrake plants. <laughs> you don't want to miss out on that. That's coming up next on Thrive Deeper. family like i said at the beginning of the show i hope you're having a wonderful holiday season celebrating the birth of christ our savior and getting ready for an exciting 2020 saying so long to the decade that was and getting ready for this brand new decade of the 20s now i'm excited because in the next few weeks matthew jacoby Stuart Duncan, the man behind the scenes of Thrive, and myself are sitting down and we are mapping an all new year, not just the year, but our future goals for Thrive. And I tell you what, we've got some great things on the drawing board. We cannot wait to bring them to you. So in the meantime, please reach out to us at thrivetoday.net.au. If you've got any suggestions, any input, any ideas that you would love to see us do, Please let us know. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au. You can contact us there. And if you've got some ideas, be our producers, be our executive producers, be our amazing think tank. Let us know what you would love to see. Matthew and myself or any combination of the two of us or solo, whatever you want us to do, let us know. We've got some great ideas, but I know that you've probably got some even better ones. So we'll see you over at thrivetoday.net.au. While you're twiddling your thumbs in this weird limbo week in between Christmas and New Year's, we'd love you to go over there and say good day. All right, let's get back into Genesis on Thrive Deeper. Thrive Deeper. 
Deeper, DJ Payne here with Magic Kobe, and we are making our way through the book of Genesis. We're about to embark on Genesis chapter 30. We have just finished off seeing Leah with four sons to Jacob, mm. and now we go, we cross back over into the Rachel household, and Rachel is a broken woman. She is pleading with Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Yeah. And Jacob's response is like, am I God? <laughs> Take it up with him. He's the one who's doing it, not me. That's right. And so Rachel, in the in, again, patterns, we see the patterns yeah, here. That's right. Rachel says, Take my maid, take my handmaid here, Bilhah, and sleep with her. She will bear children for me. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it be great if any of these men who were, you know, like Jacob, like his grandfather, were able to say, Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I won't sleep with this well, woman that you're giving me. Yeah. Well, he 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 should have. Yeah. He should have said that. Yeah. Um, because he should have learned that you know God comes through on this stuff. That was the case with um, Isaac yeah. and Rebecca, because Rebecca, of course, was initially she was barren as well, and God enabled her to have children. Yeah. Same with Sarah and Abraham. So there are these natural obstacles that seem to be there Every along time. the way that God has proven that He will overcome those natural obstacles. Mm. Now, of course, we remember the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah, and how Sarah gave Abraham Hagar, mm. and it was this attempt to kind of help God, but that wasn't. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. God doesn't need our help. Wants us to serve Him, not help Him. Yeah. So. Um, this is them taking things into their own hands. So for to, to Rachel's handmaiden, Jacob has Dan yeah. and Naphtali, yeah. right? Then Leah realizes, hang on, I've stopped having children. I'm not getting pregnant anymore. Yeah. So why don't you take my handmaiden? Yeah. Now you get this sense now that Jacob is just like, hey, yeah. hey, ladies, there's plenty of me to go around. He's fine with whatever is going on here. Yeah. He takes yeah. Zilpah and she has Gad and uh, Asher yeah. to, uh, for Leah. And it is like this competition between these two sisters mm. on, on who, who can give the most children yeah. to, to their man. It's, it's interesting, too, which children are born to who. Like the, there's children that God gave, and we've already observed uh, Reuben. Now, Reuben actually doesn't become one of the tribes. It's actually Joseph... Uh, his two sons. Uh, it's kind of complicated, but yeah. his two sons take the place. Uh, yeah, take take uh, take the place. Um, and uh, Simeon sort of gets absorbed as well into Judah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got Levi as well. They're, they're spread out. They're the Levites and Judah. So you've kind of this is all of that to say. This is kind of northern tribe. Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom stuff going on here. Yes, it's sort of anticipating yes. the, the the division uh, of the kingdom. Now it's interesting because we don't know exactly when uh, when all of this had its final form, but you see perhaps here um, a, a, you know indication as it gets chaotic and they take things into their own hands, and then they have you know Dan is the first child that's born there, and of course Dan becomes in the book of Judges we see becomes almost one of the worst 
offenders of yeah. the tribes you know, of Israel. I, I'm not sure. I just wonder whether there's a lot of the, all of the tribes that come now are northern, the northern tribes, which became known for their idolatry yes. and not doing things the way that God wanted yeah. them to do. Yeah. And so whether the the um, somehow the, the birth circumstances uh, some somehow augur that. I mean, it's not in. Yeah. Well, it's not in. As, as you said last week, not, none of this is in there by accident. Yeah, that's none of, right. None, yeah. Of, none of this. So, I, I would I would say if you're if you're a bit of a nerd, if you're a bit of a Bible geek, and you're and you're setting out reading through this for the very first time, make notes, make little notes yeah. of who's with who, and then remember whose was whose. We then get a fantastic story, Matt, and this is what I can't wait to hear you explain this one. Reuben, the firstborn son of Leah, who obviously yeah. now is a young man working in the fields. He could be an older teen. He's out there in the wheat harvest, and he sees some mandrakes mm. growing in the field. And he brings them to his mother, Leah. Leah, Rachel sees her sister with these mandrakes and she says, please, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Leah's like, wasn't enough that you stole my husband. Now you're going to steal my son's mandrakes too. Rachel answered, I will let you sleep with Jacob tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. First question. Besides, there's a hundred <laughs> questions here. What the heck are mandrakes? Mandrakes are these. Uh, they're, they're a common uh, plant in. Uh, well, not what well, obviously not common because because they they were difficult to find. But I yeah. should say they. Um, it's one of the plants that still grows in the Middle East, um, and it, it it had these magical associations to it. They, they it has this root system that actually looks a little bit like. Um, a, uh, a a woman like yes. it's a figure that sort of figure and so they looked like and they were therefore associated because they had this figurative sort of look with, with the body and the yes. and, and the legs and um like a fertility like a fertility top. symbol yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. so they had this magical association now this is interesting because um, uh, particularly with their association to fertility he finds this mandrake plant. Um, it must have been one that was developed enough to look like a really good specimen of yeah. a mandrake plant yeah. that had this figurative look. And so, remember, these are people living in the ancient world. We're not, you know, we're not down the down the track where they know the law. Where, where, where they know the law and idolatry and superstition, and not that when they even did have that law that they followed it. But um, so here again, they're kind of taking things into their own hands. And and so mandrake plants become this opportunity to use this in some. I'm not sure exactly how they used it as as a sort of fertility um, ritual solution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So they're fighting over the mandrake plants uh, for that reason. So so Leah runs out to Jacob as he's coming back and says, "It's all agreed. You're sleeping with me tonight. I've got you as yeah. my husband." And Rachel's got the mandrakes. Yeah. And she thinks that that's going to help. But God hears Leah's prayers again and gives she gives pregnancy to a fifth son, yeah. Issachar, then a sixth son to Jacob, Zebulon, yeah. and then after six sons, she has a daughter, Dinah. And, uh, you know, and again, you hear Leah's, uh, Leah's uh, prayer for everyone. God has given me a good reward. Now my husband will treat me with, with respect. I have given him six sons and one daughter. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then God remembers Rachel and, and no reference there to mandrake plants. It's very clear that God is the one that yeah. does this. Yeah. Uh, so there was no need for 
the, the mandrakes in the first place. Look, I think it's just interesting to note these little, um, again, little indications of things that are going to be problematic in the future. There's this superstition here that they're wedded to and they're willing to fight over this. Um, <clears throat> we're going to see a little bit more uh, about this uh, to uh, when um, these women steal Laban's household idols and take yeah. them back. So that's a little, you know, all of these little indications yes. of things that are going to be problems for the 12 tribes of Israel because we're talking here about Jacob, who is going to be called Israel, mm. and his 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is all indicative of what's going to happen in the future. We then we then come to, in chapter 30, 30 halfway through chapter 30 here, it's obviously around about that 15, 14, 15-year-old 15 mark yeah. where uh, finally... Rachel is given birth to Joseph. Yeah. Finally, yeah, this is the one. This is the yeah. one. You know, Rachel is like, this is this is it, right? And this is around that era, around that time. And and Jacob comes into Laban and says, "I fulfilled all my promises. I've gone above and beyond. I've worked mm. for you." And 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 Laban replies, "Look, you know, uh, I've become, uh, you know, please, please listen to me." Laban replied, "I have become wealthy for the Lord has blessed me." Because of you, yeah. Tell me how much I owe you, and whatever it is, I'll pay it. Yeah. And and it's this interesting exchange here that Laban understands what is going on and sees God's blessing on on Jacob. And and it's interesting here in verse twenty seven of chapter thirty that he it says that he learns by divination mm. uh, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. So, um, and this is you, we we get this. That you know, God works through these things that are otherwise. I mean, it's very clear. And again, we're in the context of the Pentateuch here. This is, um, this is uh, absolutely forbidden. Now, th- there's a couple of ways of, uh, of interpreting that. Yeah, of, yeah. of in- interpreting that. But but I think the NIV in that has probably got that. Has yes. probably got that right. Um, we see uh, God speaking blessing through Balaam uh, in in the book of Numbers yes. in the future. So God works through these, uh, even the witch of Endor. Remember the yep. witch of Endor? Uh, there was a, you know, in a, in a very roundabout way, God even works through her in a sense. So um, God is working through these. Uh, well, it's in a way, remember, in uh, the life of Christ, how the demons often acknowledged who Jesus was. So he's learned by divination that he's being blessed because of Jacob. Well, that's actually correct and doesn't validate the divination, but it mm. is actually correct. And so he wants, um, uh, you know, he... he he wants him to stay, obviously. Yeah, Here's obviously wants good him to luck stay. Charm. So, yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it, a good luck charm. Uh, and, and and finally, that you see this going back and forth. They're bashing heads against one another. Jacob is, 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 is fighting. Laban is wanting him to stay. Jacob wants to go. But Jacob, you can see that Jacob is thinking, listen, if I do stay, I will. there is profit and success here. Mm. And, and then they come up with this crazy scheme. Laban yeah. comes up with a crazy scheme about any spotted or streaked sheep or goats, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, this is Jacob's. Yeah, this sorry. This is actually Jake- Jacob's scheme. You know, he says, okay, um, here's the deal. This this is what I'll take as payment. Uh, I'll take, I'll go through the flocks. And, and I think it becomes evident that he's talking about those that are going to be born. So the, the, the next lot of the... Um, the flocks of yeah. sheep and goats. Uh, 
that he's going to take the speckled coloured ones. Now, this is quite rare. Uh, these they either they they speckled, uh, according to the commentaries yeah. that, that I read, is quite a rare colouring. Okay, yes. so Laban thinks, oh, uh, this is fine. Yeah, yeah, this is fine. Like there's because then there are not going to be many of them. But Laban Laban cheats again because he he, again. he takes all of them that are there already. Yeah. Takes them three days' journey to other sons yeah. over there. Takes so they either got the white ones or the dark coloured ones, and yeah. of course, genetically, yeah. you need speckled ones to create speckled ones. Yeah. So, and and Jacob, Jacob, so now, he's getting deceived again. Is the point? He's, yeah. he's getting get it deceived again. But Jacob takes it in his stride this time, and he becomes some 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 sort of alchemist and takes. Yeah, this is a strange one. Poplar. Almond, plane trees, strips, bark. He does all this different stuff, putting it in water, making sure he's got the stronger animals mating with these other, with the other yeah. animals, you know, with the other goats and everything, making sure he's doing it with the water that he's used and all this sort of stuff. In the end, I don't understand any of that, right? Yeah. Except, it, except for the yep. fact that he's getting stronger speckled animals out of all these. You yeah, know, okay, breeding, me, breeding me program. <laughs> yeah, let me explain. <laughs> so Jacob has this ruse where he's going to, um, uh, he's going to create speckled coloured. I mean, it, it, well, he's faced with the fact that now, well, there aren't any. Uh, there, there really isn't any possibility of speckled uh, lambs or goats being born because they're all either dark, you know, yep. uh, dark coloured or or white, and so he. He leans back on this um, idea that the ancient people had that uh, what um, what the flocks and herds, what they see when they're mating, uh, determines the outcome of you know of the of, of the children. Yeah. Uh, um, so he goes and gets these this bark and he exposes the inner wood and and it, basically this is to ex- to create so that they see. Uh, so that they see these speckled colours yeah. with this bark, yeah. and he thinks, okay, I'm going to do this at the troughs, and while they're mating, because that's you know he's thinking if they mate while they're looking at this, then they will. I know this is really strange, yeah. but that's what they thought. They okay. thought that what they see while they mate determines the outcome. Yeah. Okay, so he thinks this is his way of doing this, but the the point again is he doesn't have to do this. This is a kind of superstition going on here. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a it's a maybe a um, a way of trying to take things into his own hands. But the point is he doesn't need to do this because God had promised to bless him. Yes. Okay. So the outcome is is that God does bless him and amazingly, miraculously, uh, all of these uh, next generation of sheep and, sheep and goats are born speckled-coloured, right, because God uh, has blessed him. And uh, he even admits later in chapter 31 that it was God that gave him the vision not not to do the thing with the bark and the you know this superstitious ceremony, but God was the one that because he had this dream about speckled coloured animals, and so he feels that God was the one that told him to offer that to Laban. Yep. Laban thinks, ah, oh, great, this is a good. We're not going to have many of them, and I'm going to take ones out of the flock that are speckled anyway. Yep. So this is this becomes for Laban. This is good news. He can rip off uh, Jacob. But God is going to um, do the unlikely. God is going to create what is otherwise not only unlikely, but once Laban removes the speckled animals from the flock, becomes impossible. 
God is the one here that does the impossible. It's so the point is that He doesn't have to go through this. Uh, just in the same way as uh, Rachel didn't need to use the mandrakes. Mm. There are all of these little indications of these people taking things into their own hands. So for later readers, you know, this is not about looking at Jacob saying, let's all do as Jacob did. Mm. What uh, What later readers are meant to see is this, see the faithfulness of God despite what Jacob and Rachel did, uh, see that God came through on this. They didn't need to do that because, of course, one of the big, um, well, the biggest prohibition in the uh, Pentateuch, in the law of Moses, of course, is that of idolatry and superstition and this kind of thing. I wonder wonder if part of it, in reading chapter 31, when God has given this, you know, promise to Jacob and Mm. saying, listen, whatever you do, you know, God basically says, I'm going to do it all. You'll be fine. Like, whatever we decide, you're going to, you know, these are going to happen. I wonder if Jacob doing all this hoopla (laughs) with Mm. the bark and and the stuff like that was to really throw Laban's sons off the scent. That you know, I wonder if part of it is Jacob is That's going. That's been suggested, yeah. Yeah, like Jacob's going. Jacob's doing this great big <laughs> shimmy show over yeah, yeah. here, chucking and jiving, and they're going, "Oh wow, okay, we better try it over there." And you see this competition. Meanwhile, Jacob knows it's totally rigged. Yeah. The game is totally rigged. Yeah. God has said He's going to do this. But the point here, at, at, when he, he calls Leah and Rachel and basically says, "Look, God has spoken to me. Your father's attitude has changed towards me. Yeah. You know, your your brothers and your your." You know, cousins and nephews and everything else—they're all grumbling against me yeah. because God is God is blessing. They us. think Jacob is robbing them when yeah. actually it was the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. In, in fact, th- there's a covenant thing here. It's you know, those who curse you, I will curse. So, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Laban tries to basically rob Jacob, but it comes back at them. You know, there's the principle that those who curse you, I will curse principle is expressed in the Psalms in terms of, you know, he who spread a net for me has been caught up in it himself. Yeah, yeah. There's this idea going on here that that Laban spread a net for Jacob, but he's been caught up in it himself. He's the loser here. And I want to bring I want to bring a, a, another point yet again. I'm going to bang on about this because I had an exchange with someone about this just recently, about talking about the Old Testament, wanting to paint women a certain way. Jacob just doesn't do this by himself and says, yeah. "Come, wives, let's go." Jacob pulls them aside and explains the whole situations to yeah. his wives and says, listen, this is what's going on. And then we get recorded that Rachel and Leah respond and say, hey, listen, that is fine with us. We're yeah. with you because we won't inherit the father's wealth. Our father did the wrong thing by us yeah. because you paid. We find out that Jacob has paid money as well for yeah. his wives. Yeah. They realize that that money has been squandered. They will not receive yeah. any of it. It's yeah. going to be children. So they say, do whatever your God has told you to do. We are with you. Yeah, that's right. And they and they do that. So Jacob goes right. Let's go. So he puts all of the wives, all of the children, on his camels. Uh, he takes the livestock and everything, livestock and everything like that. And they set out for the land of Canaan, where Isaac was living. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we find out at the time they left, Laban was out looking after the sheep, and Rachel stole. Her father's household household items, uh, sorry, idols, idols yeah. and 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 hid them there, mm. uh, and they and they crossed over. Now, why do you think this is idolatry on her part, or is it the motivation that father, you've given us nothing? Yeah, I'm going to take something of value. <clears throat> I think it's that. Yeah, and it's there. Obviously, these household idols are valuable enough for him 
to pursue them. Uh, he's not. He's more worried about them than about his daughters. He's come. You know. Uh, uh, I mean, he's of course he's he, he's complains about not being able to say goodbye to his daughters, but he's very concerned about the household gods. Mm. Um, I think yes, it is. They're trying to steal um, something valuable from him because they feel ripped off. Yeah. But again, I think there is a. This is preempting something again. You know that there is this um, this idolatry. You know, high the, the idols were hidden in yes. amongst the stuff. So this is these little indications of things that are going to be are going to be problems later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're still there's the fact that he had household gods that they're not they're not worshiping the one god yes. and so um for them this is uh i guess a lapse of faith on their part i mean they know they know the true god because they've already acknowledged that they've yes. acknowledged that god has helped them they've both acknowledged that god has helped them give birth and that he's with them and yet they still feel like they need to go and get these household gods and and take them uh so this is a little bit of a slap in the face of god at this point on the part of these women but but the point again here is it's preempting something. Yeah, it is preempting something. We get Laban in hot pursuit, and we we get a reference here. Uh, you know, God God calling him, or uh, well, the writer writing saying that Laban is called Laban the Aramean, which is yeah. uh, you know an interesting yeah. distinction here now. Yeah. And but God appears to Laban in a dream as he's pursuing him and says, "I'm warning you, yeah. leave Jacob alone." Yeah. Laban still pursues him, catches yeah. up with him, but instead of like some sort of act of war or anything, Laban is is feigning yeah. this. How dare you take my daughters away and without letting me give you a like yeah. a uh, goodbye dinner and let me yeah. kiss my grandchildren yeah. and let me do this and let me do that. But in the but in the end, we really really uh, we find out here. He says at the end there, I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me. He doesn't say. The, your God, yeah. the God of your father appeared to me yeah. and said, leave Jacob alone. Um, he says, I can understand your feeling that you must go and your intense logging, but why have you stolen my gods? Mm. My gods. So, uh, you know, and Jacob's like, what are you doing? He has no idea what's going on. Yeah, that's right. And and even when he goes into the tent uh, to get them, is it um, Rachel? Uh, is it Rachel or Leah? Rachel. Uh, yeah, it's Rachel uh, says she hides them and yeah. she's sitting on them. Yeah. And she said, you know, anyway, she says, I, I'm, you know, I've, I've got my period. I can't, uh, I can't stand up. So it's a strange little section. <laughs> yeah. That, that, and so he goes away. And so the point is, is that they're still in their possession, in their possession. Yeah. He doesn't go away with them. So yep. what happens to those? We don't hear about those no. household gods again. No. And, and I think the stories just leaves you with that. There's just this little thorn, you know, in the side here. There's this little, um, uh, this little bit of poison here that's going to cause problems later on. Yeah, yeah. And we finish off this chapter and it goes on. There's a big exchange between them two. They basically come up with a covenant between the two of them. Laban and uh, Jacob come to an agreement. They build a pillar and they say, listen, this is our memorial between the two of us. You head that way. I will stay mm. this way. God will judge us, you know, between us. Yeah. And then and then Jacob is, we come to the end here that Jacob takes an oath 
before the fearsome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary line. And Jacob offers a sacrifice to God. Mm. And he is, uh, you know, and then Laban gets up, kisses all of his family goodbye, and he left in return home. We see the parting of the two. Mm. And Jacob, his two wives, the two handmaids, and all of these children, servants, riches, everything. And flocks flocks of sheep and goats. Exactly. Harkening back to, you know, his grandfather Abraham of being brought up into this wealth, they're heading back home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think it's really important um, with these strange stories that we take a step back and look at the elements of the story and how this fits into the bigger narrative. And so this is, as, I, as we've, I've been repeatedly saying, this is establishing something here about the identity of God's people. There's the theme of idolatry here, but the big theme is God's faithfulness despite the idolatry and the deceptiveness and the taking things into their own hands. God is faithful. God has promised something. And we get this stream of faithfulness thro- flowing through all of all of that mess. It's a very messy story, mm. but God's faithfulness is flowing through that and despite that. And the big message here is that what God said will be so. You know, even though we don't really plan exactly how things are going to fall during the time of the year, I've got to say, this has been a great time to read through this story of Jacob slash Israel. You know, because at the end of this decade, at the end of 2019, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter what our reputation is, we can see that God has called us to something higher. And when we make ourselves available to him... He is faithful to bring us into this new time. So what a great chance to take hold of all of those promises as we look ahead and about to start this brand new year, this brand new decade in front of us. Now, like I said, we have got a lot of plans coming up for Thrive and everything we want to do with the podcast and a lot more. So please, if you want some input, if you want to give us some ideas or you want to get the inside scoop, head over to thrivetoday.net. On behalf of myself, Matt and Stuart, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.